Well, it's a pleasure to be with you guys tonight. If you'd uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to the Gospel according to Mark, the 14th chapter. Mark chapter 14. I want to go ahead and read the passage first and then a few observations from it. Hopefully that will be helpful to you. Gospel according to Mark chapter 14. I want to read verses 3 through 9. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whatever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be done, told in memory of her. This is God's word. As we look at this passage briefly tonight, I think uh, some things uh, are pretty clear in this. And one of them is that she is a, a person who demonstrates a great sacrifice and service to Jesus. And so what I want to maybe remind you of tonight, or perhaps persuade you of tonight, is simply this, that Jesus deserves, and in fact delights in, sincere devotion to him. He deserves, and he delights in, your devotion to him. We're going to see that work its way out in this passage through three movements as we look at some interactions in verse 3, pouring out. In verses 4 and 5, boiling up. And then in verses 6 through 9, delighting in. Let's look first at this, this pouring out. We're introduced here in verse 3 to basically what is a house party. Uh, Jesus is there at the house of Simon the leper, who was... Doubtless no longer a leper, because they wouldn't be eating in his home. But he was formerly a leper, and that's how he would have been known. He'd been healed from that, perhaps from Jesus. And they're at this, this house. And what's going on here in the book of Mark at this time? This is chapter 14. This is Jesus' Passion Week. So the book of Mark, actually, it's interesting. Uh, Mark chapters 1 through 10 are moving through the earthly ministry of Jesus. And while Mark moves pretty quickly, a lot of immediately he's moving quickly, by the time he gets to chapter 11, it's as if everything slows down. And chapter 11 through 16 is the last week of Jesus' life up to his resurrection. So here we are in chapter 14, and we're on Wednesday of Passion Week. And the Passover is, is coming two days before the Passover, and here they are at this, this party, or this dinner party at least. And we see that he's at Bethany at, the, at this house of Simon the leper, and he's reclining at table, and a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of, of pure nard. 
And so she, she comes in, and it's not so much the, the woman that gets the attention here, but what she's carrying and what she does with it. She's got this alabaster flask. Uh, so it's this, this perfume, this ointment, this oil, this beautiful-smelling Middle Eastern oil. And she's bringing it in there. And what she ends up doing is she breaks it, and she pours it over Jesus. She breaks the flask, and she pours it over his head. We're going to see something else about this oil that she uses, this perfume. It's 300 denarii, as they object to the, the use. That's 300 denarii. That's, that's basically a year's wage. So in that time, 300 denarii is, is, a, is a year's salary for a worker. So what, what would that be to put that in, in modern, lang- modern times? So let's just say $50,000 worth of perfume. perfume. That's, a, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of perfume. That's some expensive stuff. And she takes this, this year's salary. So what, where did she get it? Well, we're not told. We can speculate. Perhaps it was an inheritance. Maybe her husband died and left it to her. We don't know. Maybe it's a family heirloom. But whatever it is, suffice it to say, this was a ticket. This was like a retirement account. This, this is money. And she takes it, and she pours it out on Jesus. That's shocking. She didn't just drop a, a couple little drops on it. You know, like make a big show, like here I am with this expensive stuff, read the label, drop, drop put it on him, look at that. She takes it and she, she, she smashes it. See, she broke the flash. The flash. She didn't take it off gently so she could put it back on. She smashed it off. It's almost like reckless abandon with the thing. She's got no intention of putting it back on. She's going to take the contents of this, this, this liquid gold, and she's going to pour it all out on Jesus. She's got the right guy. She's got the right stuff. And she's going to pour it out. She poured it all out on him. And it's this, this, nard, this pure nard, this very costly stuff that she takes. And she dumps it out on him. It's liberal. It demonstrates her affection for Christ. She loves him. It's like her heart's being broken and pouring it out in love to Jesus. She gives, as Jesus says, all that she had. In her viewpoint, nothing's too valuable for Jesus. You can't overdo it with Jesus. She gives it all. You know, it's interesting. This isn't the first woman that Jesus points to in Mark's gospel to demonstrate what kind of devotion he's after. If you're familiar with Mark's gospel, if you go back to chapter 12, verse 41, there's this widow that comes in. You remember the scene in the temple, and, and it's just this picture of this woman. She's got pretty much nothing. And she kind of shuffles across the room and puts a couple of coins in the box. And she's commended for her devotion. If we were to compare the two, it was basically like 164th of a denarii, what she's, what she's giving. So it would be like her throwing a couple of bucks in the box, and this lady puts 50 grand in the box, right? So you see, see, for Jesus, it's not about money. That's not what he's after. He's not impressed with the amount given, 
but the heart that gives it. That's what he wants. And this woman here gets it, as does this other widow, this other person. He poured out. Why? Because she understands that Jesus deserves her genuine devotion. But that's not the end of the story because there's actually other people in the room who see what's going on. We see in verse 4 and 5, there's some boiling up. In verse 4, if you look in your Bible with me, it says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, notice they're not speaking out loud, they're just thinking, and Jesus is reading their mind. Think about that one tonight when you go home. Um, There's some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And then they scolded her. So these are, these are people who are following Jesus, disciples. Certainly his disciples are among them, but there's probably more than that. People like, like to come around Jesus and claim to identify with him. But we might call them moderately committed believers. I'm not trying to make categories of believers here, but I'm just saying... Uh, let, let's put them in this category. They're the people that are like, we don't want to go overboard, Christians. Like you can, you can read your Bible and you can get together with other Christians for dinner and stuff like that. But let's not go extreme here. Let's not raise eyebrows and give everything that we have. I mean, let's, let's hold some back here. Let's be moderate. And so they scolded. They're indignant. It's the same word that's used of the disciples when they begin to say, you know, we want to sit one on your right and one on your left. And the other guys are like, they're mad that they didn't think of it first or whatever. But they're looking at this. They're just angry. And this is the indignance, this frustration, this selfishness that's boiling up out of them to the point where they're attacking this woman for doing what she's doing. They're scolding her like they did with the children that were brought to Jesus. It's boiling up. You know, it's interesting, the, the context around this verse, Jesus is on his way to be crucified for our sins. And Mark's making something, one of, one of these little sandwiches that he makes in the way he arranges the text. You notice that all around this woman are people that are rejecting Jesus. In verses 1 and 2 of the chapter, you notice it's the religious leaders, the chief priests and the scribes, were seeking, verse 1, how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. They've rejected him. They're looking at Jesus and saying, he's not worth it, let's get rid of him. And then after this passage, we see in verse 10, Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went out to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they had heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. So in Judas's eyes, he's not worth it. The, the money he can get from them is better than Christ. And then in the middle of that, the disciples are looking at this situation and they're saying, why waste this ointment on him. So you got the chief priest not valuing him, Judas not valuing him, and the disciples scolding a woman who's given it all. They're not convinced that he deserves it. 
See, our world loves and our world never changes. In our world, you can do anything to extremes. Fitness, work, make money, sex, whatever. Do it to extremes. You know the one thing you can't do to extreme? Religion, Jesus. That's the thing that makes people just say, now we got to have a talk. You've gone too far. I'm okay with the Bible reading and the changes to your life. But you, this, you're getting out of hand with this stuff, this devotion to Jesus. You, can you just dial it back? What's going on with you anyway? Have you lost your mind? What happened to the old you? You were so much more fun. Now you're not even fun. Dial it back. The reality is, the world's got it completely backwards. Jesus is actually the only one you can't overdo it with. You can't overgive to Christ. You can't overserve him. You can't overvalue him. You can't overesteem him. He's worthy of it all. But all that other stuff? Idols. The stinger and the tail on this whole thing and as embarrassing this is for the disciples and in the midst of this whole context of abandoning Jesus and turning away from him and praising him as lacking is that they say this right in front of Jesus in such a brazen way when this, they're ostensibly concerned for the poor which is actually just a, 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 some type of pugilistic stick to batter this woman and prop their own self-righteousness up. They say... Basically, he's not worth it. Because they say, why was the ointment, verse 4, wasted like that? The veneers of religion and devotion and discipleship to Jesus are all pulled away, and this is the truth. That's a waste. You're wasting your life. Well, we have the Pouring out, we have boiling up with the anger. What about Jesus? What does he say? Well, he delights in it. Look at verse 6. But Jesus says, leave her alone. He, he defends her. Would you get off her back? He takes up for her. And he asks them a question. Why do you trouble her? What's your point? What are you doing? I don't agree with what you're doing and what you're saying and how you're treating her. This is inappropriate. You're inappropriate. She's appropriate. And then he says, and he basically delights in her gift. He says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Now, that's amazing. In front of, in front of these so-called disciples, who are confused, he highlights this woman and says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. And then he affirms her sacrifice. Later on, he says, verse 8, she has done what she could. He acknowledges what, what she's done. She's, she's done what she can. And then he elevates her service even by saying she has anointed my body for burial. Fascinating to think of the timeline here. This is probably the last nice thing 
that somebody would do for our Lord. Because he'd be crucified in a short time. There would be that feigned obedience and that feigned love from Judas when he would come and pretend he loved Jesus with a kiss, but that was, that was betrayal. This is genuine love. And furthermore, Jesus memorializes it. And he says, truly, I say to you, whatever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in the memory of her. Put a frame around this one, boys. We don't know her name. That's not the point. We see her service. This no-name woman knew more about devotion to Christ than the religious leaders and some of those who claimed to follow him. Well, what do we take away from this? Quick, three quick things. First, this Jesus deserves costly sacrifice. He deserves it. And you say, well, how do we know he deserves it? Well, think about how he responds in the situation. Let, let's just say somebody gives you a gift. Somebody just peels off 50 grand, drops it on your lap at a dinner party. And shows like, there, and you take it, and you say, yeah, that's right. This is a beautiful thing. It's right, and I deserve it. Thank you. And you walk up, you'd be thinking, what is with that guy or lady? But Jesus takes it from her and says, she's done what she can. He accepts it because he's worthy of it. I mean, from a, from a big picture standpoint, I mean, this is kind of like when the kids are uh, three and four years old and they first learn how to like make things and they get you a, a cardboard cookie and they bring it to daddy or mommy and they're like, here, here you go. And you take it and pretend to eat it. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. But you love the sacrifice. You love the service. You love the gift. I mean, here's Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He created all of this stuff. And what's 50 grand of ointment to him? But what's a heart that loves him? He deserves it. Second, he values our sincere devotion. He says she did a beautiful thing. Sometimes I hear Christians talk about the works they do for God and their service for him and and it feels like some people are almost allergic to the thought that they could do good works as a Christian and that God might be pleased with them. It is true that apart from Christ, apart from a mediator, we can't do anything to please God. And, and our works would resemble something like filthy rags before God if we're trying to justify ourselves by our works. That is odious to God. He rejects that. However, to the one who's been born again and is united to Christ by faith and is walking in the good works that he's prepared for us to do. He's pleased by our obedience. Not in a meritorious way, but in a way that reflects Jesus and shows the Spirit of God is at work in our lives and he's being glorified. 
Not like he's impressed with us, but he's glorified by us. It's kind of like when a little boy, he's not so little anymore, would clean his room and he was so excited about it. And he'd invite me in and say, Daddy, I, I cleaned my room. And you walk in the room and you look at it and you're like, oh my goodness, this is not clean. But I noticed he pulled his blanket up to his pillow and he put all his PJs under the bed and he put his stuffed animal on the pillow. And I said, that's, that's great. You did a beautiful thing. It's the sincerity and the effort and the desire to please the one whom you're doing this for. That, that's good. And that's what this, this, this woman has done. She's poured it all out on Christ because she loves him. And Jesus is saying, yeah, I get it. So brothers and sisters, as you serve Jesus, as we serve him in our, in our small churches, in the midst of a region like New England where there's not a lot of Christians. And we're wondering, like, are we making any difference in, this, in my prayers, in my service, in my care, in my actions, in this cup of water in Jesus' name, and changing the diapers, and teaching the Sunday school class, and preaching the sermons, and praying for one another, and bringing meals, and doing all this in Jesus' name? Doesn't matter. Does anyone see it? You know what? People might not see it. People might look at you and think you're crazy. But there's one in heaven who sees it and says, she's done a beautiful thing. Third and finally, quickly, and then I'll be done. One of the reasons why I think that Jesus delights in a sacrifice like this, a devotion like this, is because it actually reflects his service to us. In just a couple of days from this story, he's actually going to be the alabaster box that's broken. He's the pricely ointment that no one can tally its worth. He's the one who's going to break off the top of it and smash it and be poured out in his devotion to God and his service to us by suffering in our place. And paying the penalty that we deserve. As he satisfies God's wrath, removes our guilt, secures our righteousness, and pays our atonement. All of our sins are cast on Christ. As he pays the penalty, he is truly poured out for our iniquity. He was crushed for our transgressions. So Jesus Christ the one who would do this, deserves. But not only does he deserve it, he delights in our sacrifice for him. So maybe tonight, you just need to be reminded of that. I pray that God would use it to encourage you. Maybe you need to be persuaded of that. I pray God would persuade you that Jesus Christ is worthy. He deserves it, and he delights in your sacrifice. It is true what that missionary said that this life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So think about your life. 
and pour it out for Jesus Christ. And as you sit on your deathbed, if you're granted one, you will look back and say, I don't regret it. Because he's worth it. Let's pray. Our Father, would you take these words from your word and impress them upon our hearts that we might give ourselves to Jesus every day, for he's worthy. We thank you that we have such a loving Lord who defends his people and delights in their service. Convince us again and again that he is worthy of everything. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.